are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Tuesday show for you. I've just got a lot of information for you this week in college and pro football. I've got a new pet peeve uh, in pro football. Actually, one and a half pet peeves. I'm also going to talk about how the uh, over-unders and dogs versus favorites happened this weekend in the NFL. A very much an anomaly when it comes to the dogs and dogs winning outright in the NFL this weekend. Over half of them covered, and yet very few won outright. First time all season that's happened. So um, a lot to talk about. We got a benching in the NFL as the guy from the Jets. Why am I blanking on his name? Wilson. <laughs> he's he's no longer the quarterback of the Jets. In favor of somebody who might be one of the worst college quarterbacks statistically ever. We'll get to all that momentarily. We can start right there in New York. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't remember his name. I keep wanting to call him Kyle Wilson. I don't know why, but I do. Anyway... Zach Wilson was benched by the Jets, who are 4-6. and six. Their season is going nowhere, and I don't know if you know this, but they are one of the worst offensive teams known to mankind. And you might be saying, oh, you're just exaggerating, Steve. No, I'm not. Do you realize this year the New York Jets, this is according to Adam Schefter, have had seven different starting offensive line combinations. They have... Nine offensive touchdowns in 10 games. Think about that for a second. The Miami Dolphins had 10 touchdowns in one game this season. The 70-20 to win over the Broncos. The Jets have nine offensive touchdowns all season. They are 30 for 131 on third down. A 22.9% conversion rate. They're averaging 270 yards per game, which is the third lowest in the NFL, which is shocking to me that that's the third lowest. And they're also averaging 15 points a game, which is also the third lowest in the NFL. So what did they decide to do? They named Tim Boyle as their starting quarterback, and they didn't even drop Zach Wilson to backup. They said, dude, you're third string. We're going to make Trevor Simeon, who's made the rounds throughout the backup world of the NFL, Tim Boyle. If you don't know who Tim Boyle is, he played college football at the University of Connecticut between 2013 and 2015. In those three years, he played five games his freshman year, nine games his sophomore year, five games his junior year. He completed... 44% of his passes, 52% of his passes, and 51% of his passes. In three years in college football, he threw for a total of 1,200 yards. In three years at the University of Connecticut, as the starting quarterback for the University of Connecticut, Tim Boyle threw one touchdown and 13 interceptions. And this guy is starting an NFL game this Friday our first Black Friday football game, Dolphins at Jets. The line has already jumped two points. And frankly, I don't think they can make this line high enough. Get it in now. 
take the Dolphins. This Jets team isn't scoring more than 13 points against even that bad Miami team. And I know the Jets have played well at home. They upset Buffalo the first game of the season at home. They've had a couple good wins. This team is going nowhere fast. Get it in now if you're interested because this line's only going to climb. It opened at 7.5, then it went to 9.5 when the announcement was made yesterday that Zach Wilson lost his job to a guy that threw one touchdown and 13 picks in college. <laughs> just just take the Dolphins and go to bed. Don't even watch the game. It's going to be embarrassing. Now, here's something else in pro football that I didn't really realize until I heard it yesterday. And this goes to the Washington Commanders because their head coach is Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera has been a head coach in the NFL for 13 years. This is his 13th season as an NFL head coach. Do you know how many winning seasons Ron Rivera has had in 13 seasons as an NFL head coach? Three. And you talk about a good old boys network where they just hire all the retreads. What has Ron Rivera done to earn 13 years as a head coach in the NFL when he's had three winning seasons. I mean, is he still living off 2015 with the Carolina Panthers? Remember that team? <clears throat> the Cam Newton team that went 15-1 and and went to the Super Bowl but lost to Peyton Manning and the Broncos? Here's the amazing thing about Ron Rivera. 13 years, three winning seasons. Somehow he has a winning record. He's 102-97 and in his career as a head coach in the NFL, yet he only has three winning seasons out of 13. His three winning seasons, he was six games over 500 in 2017, 11 and five. The 2015 team was 14 games over at 15 and one. And then he went 12 and four in 2013. So over a three year run, he went, and then in, in 2014, he went seven and eight. So over a three year run, he was to a 34 and 13. Not bad, but subtract 34 and 13 from 102.97, and he is 68 and 84 as a head coach. So you take away 2013, 2014, and 2015 in Carolina, and this guy is, you know, like I said, 68 and 84. He's 16 games under 500. So. I mean, it's it's amazing because I didn't realize he was that bad. You know, a lot. Basically, he's a five hundred coach who had a couple good years here and there. Carolina six and ten, seven and nine, seven eight and one, six and ten, seven and nine, five and seven, fired. Washington seven and nine, seven and ten, eight eight and one, and then this year he's four and seven. Yeah, he's basically a five hundred coach. You know what you're getting when you hire him. I'm sure he's going to be dismissed after this year, if not during this season, but, I mean, <laughs> it, you know what's funny? And and here here comes a gambling statistic for you, and this is just going to eat people up. So, in the last 11 years on Thanksgiving, you know the Lions always play a home game on Thanksgiving. They have the first game of the day. The Cowboys have the second game of the day. And then, I don't know, what was it, 10 years ago we added a third game? The Cowboys in the last 11 years on Thanksgiving Day are 4-7 and seven straight up and 1-10 against the spread. They are laying 11 points against Washington 
on Thursday. And remember what I said about Washington when I gave them out as my underdog play against Seattle two weeks ago. They've covered every game they've been an underdog this year. When they're in the favorite role, they stink. But they are 5-0-1 as an underdog this year against the spread. A couple of them they won outright. Now they're getting 11 points on Thanksgiving Day where the Cowboys have covered one of the last 11 Thanksgiving Day games they've played. And now they're laying double digits at home. During those 11 Thanksgiving Day games, the one team they've played the most on Thanksgiving in the last 11 years has been the Commanders. They've played them four times. The Cowboys were three-and-a-half-point favorites and lost 38-31. They were six-point favorites and won the game 31-26 but didn't cover. The one cover they have in the 11 years is against the Commanders, and they covered by a half point. They beat them 31-23. The line was seven-and-a-half. And then the last time they played them on Thanksgiving Day, the Cowboys were two-and-a-half-point favorites, and they lost the game 41-16. to Now, you can say, none of that matters, Steve, considering the Cowboys are 7-3 and three, and the Commanders are 4-7 and seven heading into Thursday's game. You would be correct. You would also be correct when you say the Dallas Cowboys have outscored their opponents 160-50 to 50 at home this year. Very correct. They are 4-0 and at... Straight up, they are 4-0 against the spread, and they are blowing teams out at home. So this is where I don't know if you want to go with trends on this. Do you go with a team that, as bad as they are, Washington's still 4-7 and on the year, but every time they've been an underdog, they've covered the spread. So unless you're willing to lay $350 to win 100 and bet the Cowboys on the money line, the Redskins, Redskins. I almost went through the whole talking about Washington without calling them the Redskins. Uh, the Commanders, 5-0-1 against the spread as an underdog, and now they're getting double digits at a place where you're on a short week. The home team has covered every home game this year, but you've covered every game as an underdog. It's just it's, – it's almost a coin flip. I almost kind of want to stay away from the game because – while I would normally bet the Commanders because this is a situational play, the Cowboys have not been good on Thanksgiving Day. The Commanders have covered every game as an underdog this year on the road. Why wouldn't I go with them? Well, it's because the Cowboys have blown every team out at home this year. But then you got the whole divisional underdog. You, you just take especially double-digit divisional dogs. I, if I had to lean one way, I'd take I would take the Commanders. As bad as they are, this team has come through for me quite a few times this year as an underdog, and now this is the most points they've gotten all year as an underdog. Can the Cowboys just keep winning every home game by two to three touchdowns? I don't know. Maybe. But short week? Eh, I don't know. Just keep that in mind for Thursday. Some college football notes for you. This might be the most misleading final in all of college football this season, and maybe of all time. I'm sure probably 0% of you know, unless you're an alumni of either school, that this past weekend, Arkansas State beat Texas State in college football 77-31, to a nice 46-point drubbing by Arkansas State <clears throat> over the Bobcats of Texas State. What if I told you that although Arkansas State won 77 to 31, they were outgained by Texas State in the game. They were. 
539 yards to 487 yards. Texas State also ran 46 more plays than Arkansas State did, and they lost by 46 and gave up 77 points. Texas State also had nine more first downs than Arkansas State. 32 first downs to 23. They had 170 more passing yards than Arkansas State. What the hell happened? Well, here you go. They committed four turnovers, Texas State did. Arkansas State had none. That was the biggest thing. And the biggest thing within those four turnovers was this. Arkansas State had a 91-yard fumble return for a touchdown, an 87-yard interception return for a touchdown, a 50-yard interception return for a touchdown, and a 93-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. (laughs) So that's how you win by 46 and get out gained by 50 and have 170 less passing yards than the team you beat by seven touchdowns or six touchdowns. (laughs) What a very, very weird statistic, to say the least. You know what's not a weird statistic? The fact that an Iowa football game went under the posted total as they played, um, who'd they play? Oh, Illinois this past weekend. Didn't cover the spread. They won 15-13, to 13, which is just a score that has probably been the final score of an Iowa football game 470 times in their program history. But they were two-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 33-and-a-half. Now, that's high. That's been the highest total in the last five weeks for them. And it went under by five points. 28 points total. Iowa on the season, two games have gone over. Nine games have gone under. Their average score for the season, 18 to 12. In Big Ten, in their last six, all of their last six Big Ten games have gone under. And the average score has been 15 to 8. <laughs> Iowa football, and you know, by beating Illinois this past weekend, you know what that means? They clinched a spot in the Big Ten Championship. They will play the winner of Ohio State-Michigan this weekend, and as I told you two weeks ago, that line is going to start at 28. It's going to be, or maybe 25. That's going to be 25 to a 28-point spread. It's going to be a four-touchdown spread, if not more. Now that I think about it, I can see it starting at 30. I was not scoring more than 10 points. You don't think Michigan or Ohio State can put up 40 on them? I certainly think they can. It's an embarrassment. It's an absolute embarrassment that this team, it's just every year, why are they so bad? And I was thinking about it. I was like, well, you also have to figure something out. You have to think about something because you're like, why can't they recruit good players? Why don't they get good offensive players or or change their offensive philosophy. The problem is, when you're in recruiting, how are you going to sell somebody to come to Iowa, an offensive player? You can definitely get offensive linemen, defensive linemen, cornerbacks. That's what they've done, and that's who they've sent to the pros, is offensive linemen, defensive linemen, cornerbacks. But any skill players from Iowa really ever make it to the pros on the offensive side? No. And that's because if you're recruiting them, how do you get them? How do you convince somebody who's a good offensive player 
to come to your school. You can't show them the numbers. You Even if you say, like, hey, we're going to change everything up, we're going to center the offense around you, that person has so many other options to where they could go where they know it's established that, okay, I can go to this place because I know that they can score on offense, and they I know they run a good offense, and I know they run an offense that might suit me. That's why they're consistently bad because – when they go out to recruit, as much as they want a top wide receiver or a top running back or a stud quarterback, who's going to go there? They can't back it up with anything that says we're going to be better. So, unfortunately, that's the way it works if you're Iowa and you're recruiting. It's just not good at all. All right, a few NFL notes. I talked about Ron Rivera, but I want to get back to the NFL. The Chicago Bears have lost 12 straight division games, and they have not won back-to-back games since 2021. But do you realize this team is sitting rather pretty because they own the Carolina Panthers' number one pick in the 2024 draft? Right now, Carolina would have the number one pick, meaning that's going to the Bears. Now the Bears have a decision to make. Do they get rid of Justin Fields at the end of this year? Do they move on from Fields and take the Caleb Williams or, you know, Drake May, who's everyone's drooling over. I gave you my thoughts on him yesterday. But if you have the number one pick, courtesy of Carolina, because that's who you got, you have their number one pick for this year because Carolina traded up last year to get it so they could draft Bryce Young. What do you do? I don't. If, if, if you have the number one pick because Carolina has the worst record in the league, which they probably will, if you get that number one pick, from Carolina, you have to move on from Justin Fields. You have to. And if you don't, one, you're making a mistake because Caleb Williams will run circles around Justin Fields. And number two, if you do stick with Justin Fields while you are making a mistake, then you better trade down for more picks. You better get three or four first-round picks in next year's draft. Because then you can be like, okay, if they if they really believe in Justin Fields and they don't want to give up yet, fine. But then you better get Marvin Harrison Jr. and you better get linemen and maybe even a running back. Just, just go all in on offense. That's really the only thing you can do if you're do- if you're gonna keep if you're gonna keep Justin Fields, then you trade out of that first spot because someone's giving you their first round pick for sure. Because someone's gonna want Caleb Williams. I I don't know if that's going to happen. If I'm Chicago and I have the Panthers' first-round pick and the number one pick in the draft, I'm taking Caleb Williams and saying, sorry, Justin, we're trading you. Give him to somebody else. You've had three years of Justin Fields. You know what he's giving you. He's not a winner. You've lost 12 straight division games. You haven't won back-to-back games in three years. Like, Do you really need to give this guy more time to see what he's made of? No, you don't. Last thing I want to talk about, well, two two things. Number one, the uh, the Chargers are being the Chargers again this year. Five of their six losses this year, Chargers, combined. Five losses. Five of their six losses have been by a combined 14 points. It's the same story every year for the Chargers. For whatever reason, this team just cannot get over the hump. Brandon Staley is out of a job. Might be by the end of the year. But if he's not fired... During the season, he's getting fired after the season, unless they go on some miraculous run, win out, and make the playoffs, and win a game or two. That's the only way he's saving his job, 
If they don't make the playoffs, he's done. He And not only is he done, he will be fired that Monday after the final game of the season, for sure. The other thing I want to talk about, and this is the final note for today, is the celebrations in the NFL. I have no problem with dancing in the NFL. I'm cool with that. In fact, I like it. I like when they come up with creative things now because for the longest time, remember they called it the No Fun League because if you did any sort of dance in the end zone, it was flagged. And I'm just like, this is so stupid. Let these guys celebrate. The one thing, though, that I'm just I, I, I'm just kind of immune to now, for the longest time, when someone scored a touchdown in Green Bay, you had the Lambeau Leap. Guy would just run into the stands and the fans would all, you know, dogpile him and pat him and cheer. Now, there's nothing Lambo about the leap. I was watching all the games this weekend. Everyone that scores a touchdown now leaps into the stands and the fans do the same thing they do in Lambo. There's nothing that makes it exclusive to Lambo. Maybe they started it. But when everybody's doing it now, your Lambo leap isn't any more special than if a Bengal cornerback intercepts a pass and runs to the fans and jumps in it. What's the difference? You're doing the same exact thing. I almost I almost like the fact that everyone else is doing it now because I never understood why the Lambo leap was so popular. It's like, great, you're jumping into the stands. Okay. Anybody can do that. And they just somebody just decided to, you know what, we can all do this. And everybody's doing it now. Everybody's jumping into the stands after an interception, after a touchdown, after a fumble recovery, whatever the case may be. Any sort of celebration, people are jumping into the stands. And I'm like, okay, we saw it on Sunday Night Football. Cortland Sutton, after catching the game-winning touchdown with a minute left to go up 21-20 on Minnesota, jumped into the stands, had everybody patting and patting him and cheering him on, and everybody's freaking out, yet cost the Denver Broncos to calling a timeout. Not that it mattered. They didn't need the timeout anymore because they were pretty much going to just go on defense. But <laughs> they had to call a timeout because, oh, yeah, Cortland, you're up 21-20. You need to go for two. You might want to get your ass back down on the field. And the second you scored, the play clock started over at 40, and you were in the stands for about 30 seconds. <laughs> so I have no problem with the celebrations. I like them. I like all of them. I like dances. I like choreographed things, whether they're putting and using the football and the um, the pylon is the is the the hole. I just I've seen so many that I, I think they're great, and I like the fact that NFL is letting them do this. However, the Lambo leap can we just call it leaping into the stands now? Because there's nothing proprietary about it. Only happening in Lambo. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's stolen it. Sorry, Lambo. It's not exclusive to you guys anymore. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. Tell your friends about the podcast. Let everybody know. I know we had a bad weekend picking games, but like I said, they're free. You can tell them. You can fade them. Whatever you want to do. But they're free picks. I'm not charging you anything for these. So I'm still trying to win. It's not like I'm like, okay, well, I'm not charging, so I don't really care if I win or not. No, I want to win because... I want to show you that I'm somewhat decent at this. Still have a winning record in both college and pro for the year, but could be better. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.